0: Welcome to New City Sermon Podcast. Join us as we open God's Word to be empowered and challenged today. All right. Well, I have uh, some big news this morning. Turns out, according to my kids anyway, that anybody that shows up on the TV screen, and hopefully they're watching right now and they see me on on our TV screen, uh, anybody that shows up on our TV screen is famous. So it turns out I wasn't expecting it, but it just occurred to me that I'm now famous because I'm showing up on our TV screen. So that's been kind of a new revelation and kind of exciting as I I get started here this morning. But um, I'm excited to be here. I'm thankful that John would ask me to come and just share with you God's Word this morning. And uh, today our text is from Psalm 139. And So if you have a Bible, please turn there with me. Uh, If you don't, that's okay. We're going to have it on the screen for you. You can follow along that way. I'm going to be reading from the ESV version and so if you're looking on your phones or your devices, click over to the ESV this morning. And I'm going to read all 24 verses. And I want to invite you, if you're at home, it's hard not to be distracted when you're at home uh, watching. But I would invite you to do whatever you can to get rid of those distractions. I'm about to read God's word. And it's for us today. It's him speaking to us today. And so I would invite you to listen carefully. This is Psalm 139. O Lord, you have searched me And the night and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you, for you form me, you form my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them. The days that were formed for me when as yet there was none of of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. This is the word of the Lord. It's an amazing psalm. You get done with those 24 verses, and it's hard not to be, like, in awe. It's hard not to just say, wow, an amazing psalm. If you're old school, and I'm kind of old school in some ways, and you've got your Bible out, you may be looking for the highlighter right now and want to mark it up. And if you're not old school and you've got your device out, you're probably bookmarking it or highlighting it because you want to remember where this psalm's at. You want to know where it's at so that you can go back to it again again and again. It's a psalm that's written by King David, and he writes probably half of the 150 psalms that we have in the Bible, but this might just be his magnum opus, his great work. I'm guessing if you've been around the Bible for any length of time, you've probably read this many, many times, but maybe today is the first time that you've ever heard it read, or maybe it's just been a while. Whichever group you find yourself in, it's pretty easy to see why this psalm gets so much attention. And this morning, I want to see with you just how amazing this psalm is and how it has the ability to shape the way we think about a couple different things. And then as our minds are changed by the truth of the Scripture, how then our lives can be changed, the way that we live. And so the first thing that I think can be changed in the way that we think. How the Scripture wants to shape our minds is how we think about the nature of God. That's our first point this morning. The second is how then it will shape the way that we think about who we are, the nature of mankind. And then as our minds are hopefully shaped by Scripture this morning, we'll ask the question, how then will we live differently? Specifically, how will the nature of how we pray begin to change? So those are our three points this morning. Let's take a look at our first one. How is it uh, that our minds can be shaped or changed about the nature of God? Now, I'm going to go back to our text, so follow along with me. It'll be on the screen if you don't have your Bible still open. I'm going to read five verses that we just went over. The first one is verse 1. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me. Verse 2. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. Verse 4, even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. Verse 6, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. And finally, verse 23, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. If you were following along on the screen, I gave you some helps. I uh, bolded and italicized some certain words so that you would pick up on the theme that I want us to focus in on, probably the biggest theme of this chapter, and it's God's knowledge. But more specifically, not just His general knowledge, but more specifically, His knowledge of us, His knowledge of you and me. And David's not the only author that would uh, focus in on this attribute, this characteristic of God's nature. Many others have taken this up. I'm going to mention two. The first one is 1 John 3.20, and it says, For wherever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and He knows everything. And in Hebrews 4, it says, And no creature is hidden from His sight but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. And so we can see that not only our text dealing with this attribute, this characteristic of God, but many others affirm that God is all-knowing or what we might say He is omniscient. He knows everything. He sees everything. There is nothing that we say or do or think that escapes Him. He knows each one of us. He knows us all together. Whether we like that or not, whether we are trying to hinder that or not, or whether we totally forget it or not, God knows. And so we can stop worrying, if you will, if Alexa or Google or Siri are listening right now, but just to be clear, they are definitely listening, right? They are always listening, and I'm kind of tempted right now. i got to tell you, I'm tempted right now just to say, call, call one of them out right now and see if how many phones in here go off. <laughs> Maybe at home, some music starts playing at home. I'm tempted. There's a little bit of mischievousness inside of me right now. I want to do that, but I won't. We don't need to worry about them listening. Because before the advent of the smart device or the smart speaker, God was always listening. And God... Is always listening you know it's funny to think about always being seen always being heard always being known it's, a, it's something that I use on my kids all the time I tell them it doesn't matter whether daddy's here whether mommy sees or another adult is present because God always sees you God always sees you and so guess what You get away with nothing. You never get away with anything. And as true as that is for my kids, it is also true for me and you. We don't get away with anything. God knows. Now, when I was reading this week, I I sort of got to this point and was thinking more deeply about God's knowledge. I've heard it before. You know, I believe that God is omniscient, but I'm I'm trying to really think, be purposeful, and prayful over this idea, and I get here and I think, oh no, maybe I should rethink some of the places that I go or some of the things that I do if God sees everything and knows my whereabouts. But it isn't just that God knows where I am. That part is evident from the text, right? David makes it clear that if you're playing hide-and-seek, don't invite God. He's like the worst, In verse 7, he says, where shall I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? And David's conclusion is, nowhere, right? You can go nowhere. But again, it's not just that we're physically exposed to God. David says, God knows our very thoughts. And that's what could be really scary and cause us to say, Oh, no. And that brings us to my second point this morning. The nature of us, the nature of mankind, the nature of who you and I are. And if there's bad news in the sermon today, we've just reached it. Because when we uncover what the Bible has to say about the nature of us, it's kind of an ugly picture. In Romans chapter 3, Paul quotes another psalm of David. It's Psalm 14. And in Romans chapter 3, starting in verse 10, he says, no one is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Later in that same chapter, Paul would say that all of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short of God's glory. And in Jeremiah 17, verse 9, he says. Man's heart is deceitful above all things, desperately sick. Who can understand it? And it's hard to hear, right? It's hard to hear, but it's even harder to accept because most of the time what we hear is, you're not that bad. I mean, deep down, human beings are good, right? That's what we hear all the time. I mean, sure, we make mistakes. We are human. We make some mistakes, but certainly we're not as bad as... And we start pointing the finger, right? Looking for, fill in the blank, who am I not as bad as? Because, at least for me, I should say, I tend to do it that way. And it's easy to find somebody out there that's not as bad as me, or at least I think they're not as bad as me, and to point to them, compare them to myself. And you know what? I don't look so bad. And sometimes I might even look pretty good compared to this person. And it's even easier for us to do that today because every single day when you open up whatever you open up in the morning, look at the news, there's another person that is profiled that we can say, oh gosh, I'm better than that guy. I'm better than that woman. I'm better than them. And with social media, our cameras always running, video always taping, it's so easy to catch ourselves, to critique others, and then to cancel them, right? So easy for us to do that. So many people to choose from, for our ability to compare ourselves with others, to look at other people, even with indignation, really, to puff up our chest, to raise our head high and say, oh, thank you, God, for not making me like whoever it is that day. It feels good, but the problem with that is that God is not in the comparison game. And David, in our psalm, you didn't hear me say, you didn't read in our psalm, David saying, compare me, O God, to that person. David doesn't say that. He says, search me, try me. And it's the person that you and I see every morning in the mirror that God's concerned about. It's that person that we find out is the problem. We hope you're inspired by God's Word. What have you learned so far? As you listen, pray about applying it to your life. Let's continue in God's Word. G.K. Chesterton was an English writer, philosopher and theologian and in 1905 he responded to an article that ran in a newspaper. The article was entitled, What is Wrong with the World? Before I tell you what Chesterton wrote in response to that article, I wonder, what would we say? I'm sure all of us say it, maybe even on a daily basis. We see some of the things that are in the news and we think, what is wrong with people? What is wrong with this world, right? Everybody says that on a regular basis, I I would say. So what would it be? What would you say is wrong with this world? Climate change? Is that, is that our problem? Poverty? Social injustice? Our political system? Our healthcare system? The economic disparities? Is it religion? Is it hunger? Is it abortions? Is it? You get the idea, right? we could keep on going. We could keep talking about all the things that we see wrong in this world and we could argue about why this is the thing. We need to fix this thing. If we could just get this one thing right, then we could start to get some momentum in the positive direction. But Chester didn't answer it that way. He responded to the article in part with this. In one sense and that the internal sense, the thing is plain. The answer to the question, what is wrong, is, or should be, I am wrong. Until a man can give that answer, his idealism is only a hobby. Chesterton got it. David got it. I am what's wrong. The finger pointing starts here. It wouldn't be surprising at this point, if you're at home listening or you're here in front of me listening, that we would start to have feelings of despair. We have been talking about this attribute of God where He not only knows physically where we are, but He knows what our heart desires are. He knows the very thoughts in our heads, and it would be understandable for us to feel a sense of despair because we see ourselves and we see God, and that. Makes that puts us in a bad position when it comes to our relationship with God. But as we read this psalm, man, David's not in a state of despair at all. He's in a state of awe, in a state of praise. In verse 14, he praises God for how wonderful his works are. In verse 17, he marvels at God's thoughts. This is not a psalm of lament, this is not a psalm of despair why wouldn't it be after what we know? Because David knows there's another attribute of God. There's another characteristic of God that undergirds all the rest. There's a characteristic of God that fuels all the rest, and it's God's love. And David knows that this God who is all-knowing, who is all-powerful, who is all-holy, who is all-righteous, he knows David. He knows that David doesn't measure up. He knows that David's just like you and I, all fallen short of God's glory. David knows that this God has made a promise to David and to his people, a promise to provide a way back to himself, something that David could never do, something that we cannot do. David is believing in a God that has made that promise, and that promise would be fulfilled one day in the future. And for us, we are believing that that God fulfilled that promise someday in the past. Our all-knowing God knew that he would have to rescue us because on our own, we would never look to fix the problem that exists between God and ourselves. So God sent Jesus to fix the problem What's wrong with this world? He sent Jesus to fix us. Jesus came to exchange our deceitful hearts, the the hearts that Jeremiah told us about earlier, exchange those hearts, the ones that wouldn't seek after God, for ones that would seek after God. In Jeremiah 31, we see that promise. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. let me say that again. This isn't a Baptist church, but that was a good good segue, good lead into an amen. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. This is an incredible exchange. But it was not an exchange that came freely. An exchange rather that came with a heavy cost. It cost Jesus his life. He would pay for our sins on the cross. His death would be the thing that rescued us, and his resurrection three days later ensures that we have eternal life with him. David had faith that the promise would be fulfilled. Today, we have faith that the promise was fulfilled. The work that Jesus did on our behalf, that is the promise fulfilled. And so David can sing this psalm of wonder. He can sing the psalm of praise because he knows the one who knows him completely is the one who loves him completely. David knows. And his knowledge is deeper than ever before. And now knowing leads David to changing. Changing the way that he lives. And that brings us... To our final point this morning. After seeing how our text has shaped the way that we think about the nature of God and about our own nature, how does it change the way that we live? And specifically, how does it change the way that we pray as a people? You know, prayer has been one of, maybe the more challenging, perhaps the most challenging aspect of my Christian life. It sounds kind of funny because I've worked in several churches over the years. You know what we do in church? We pray. And I've worked in Christian schools. You know what we do there? We pray. And now I work as a chaplain. And probably the thing that I do most every single day at work is pray. But you know what I found out? Prayer can become, like everything else in our life, routine. It can just be something that we do. And not have the power and the meaning and the significance that it's intended to have. Or, perhaps, prayer could become just something that you do. Because if you don't, as a Christian, you start to feel guilty. And I don't like to feel guilty, so I'm going to pray so I don't have the guilt. But is anybody listening? Is anybody doing anything about these prayers? Probably not. Or maybe you pray like you're buying a lottery ticket hoping for a better life here, a problem-free life here, everything to be just grand here on earth. I think I've been in all of those groups at one time or another. But I can remember the very first time I prayed, and I knew God answered me. I hadn't been a Christian very long, maybe only a couple days really, but I was so excited that I wanted to be fully committed to this Christian thing. I didn't understand it fully, but I'm like, this is incredible. I want to know everything that I can know. I want to be fully committed. And so I prayed. I said, God, if if there's something that's holding me back from being fully committed, get rid of it. Take it away from me. I didn't know what I was asking. I didn't understand what I was doing. Literally within days, I knew two people in Tampa. That's where I lived at the time. I knew two people, my roommate and this girl that I was dating. Within days, both of those people had left me. Both of those people had left me because I became a Christian. My roommate was like, You're no longer any fun. You know, I don't want to live with you. I'm going to go live with somebody else. And so I moved out and found a new apartment. My girlfriend, same thing, dumped me. Two people I knew, both of them gone. And I was lonely. I mean, I was really lonely. You you can imagine knowing nobody. And so my routine of my day was go to work and come home, and go to work and come home. I didn't have a TV either, by the way. I couldn't even, like, just veg out on. Netflix didn't exist, right? I had nothing. I had church. Whenever the doors were open, man, I was there because that was the other activity, the only other activity that I had. But it was lonely, and I became angry. I can remember real clear, I was in my car driving uh, down the street in Tampa and so angry at God, I was literally like punching the steering wheel. And I'm like, why would you do this? I know two people in this whole town and now they're gone and I am lonely and it hurts. And I'm like, get the words out of my mouth and the first thought into my head after vocalizing that was, this is what you asked for. This is what you prayed for. And the next thought in my head was like, oh my gosh, somebody's listening. This is for real. And he answers. And the second thought was, I don't like this answer. Right? I don't like this answer. I don't like the way that you've answered this prayer. And so maybe you can relate to that. Because God does answer prayers, but we aren't often enjoying the way he's answered them those prayers. But the way that David prays at the end of this chapter is nothing like what I've just described. Listen to the last two verses again. David says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. This is not an ordinary, routine, mealtime type of prayer. And this is a dangerous prayer. David is boldly coming before the throne here. This is David saying, man, God, dig deep into my heart. Open me up, expose me, the deepest, darkest parts of me, bring it all to the light. He's not even stopping there. He's not saying just... You know, deal with my emotions, my passions, those things that I love. No, no, no. Deal with my thoughts. Try my thoughts, David says. All of it, David is giving to God. David knows that it's not just his feelings, but those feelings will fuel his thoughts, and those thoughts will fuel the way that he lives. And so he says, I'm laying it all out for you, God. It's all yours. It's a dangerous prayer, right? That's a risky prayer. Prayer. It's a scary prayer. To ask God to try us. What are we trying? What are we? What, what are we saying there? Try us, God. Not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, God, but yours. Do what you think is best with my life. Are we really ready for that, though? What that could mean, because all the thoughts that we've had about. Maybe our marriage, our relationships. Maybe those are radically different. About our finances, about our jobs. Maybe it could mean sickness. Maybe it could mean loss in our lives. Maybe the, the thing that you were thinking about and hoping for most was retirement, and that's not going to look the way that you hoped it would. School's looking a whole lot different these days, isn't it? Things could look radically different if we're willing to pray with David search me and try me. And so there are times, i got to admit, there are times that I think, man, I'm not ready for that. And then I wonder, how is it that David got there? Because this is risky and dangerous. How could he pray so boldly, so dangerously? David has learned and he's trying to show us this morning that God is nothing like us. when we get a better understanding of just how different God is from us, when we see more clearly how loving, how all-knowing, how all-powerful, how holy and righteous God is, and we see ourselves when we start doing that comparison game, see ourselves next to him, it's a wonder that God doesn't cancel each and every one of us. The more we see the great divide that exists between God and ourselves, the more we see just how beautiful Jesus is. God knows all about us. There's nothing we can hide from Him. And yet, He loves us. And that is what fuels David. And that's the thing that should fuel us. To enable us to be able to pray this bold and crazy and dangerous type of prayer. Because a God who would do all of that for you that would do all of that for me is a god that we can collectively can can wholly trust with all of ourselves and we can truly boldly pray search me oh god try me oh god let your will be done not mine let's pray father we are amazed to read this psalm, to read the words of David, to learn how awesome you are, that you would not only know us, know the deepest, darkest, the worst parts of us, but in the midst of that, you would love us. And you wouldn't leave us there. You would rescue us. You gave us your son, Jesus, to rescue us from that. And so my prayer right now, Father, is that for anybody that's hearing this, that has not accepted this free gift, God, that your spirit would give them the courage, the boldness to pray for their salvation, to pray for that gift and that their lives would be changed. And Lord, for those of us that have been walking with you for some time, but maybe our prayer life has become routine. Maybe we've forgotten that you're not only listening, but you are responding. Lord, speak to our hearts fresh and new this morning. Help us to remember how deeply we are loved by you so that we could boldly come before you and say, Truly and honestly, Lord, have your way with us. Your will be done in our lives. May it begin with us that we would be the things that need to be fixed. We would be the ones that need to be fixed. And then enable us, Lord, to live a life in this world, demonstrating your goodness, your grace, your glory. Help us now, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen thank you for listening to new city sermon Podcasts. for more information check us out at www.newcityhh.com we'll see you next week